It's time for the fastest 30 minutes in football talk. Welcome to Pigskin Podcast, your first look back at the NFL weekend. Now, I'm definitely not live. From the studios of the Fan AM 1060 and the Fan1060.com, here are your hosts, Justin Carp and Brian Giberman. some mistakes yesterday they played very hard and if we continue to do that and we don't turn the ball over we're going to have a chance it is time for another peg skin podcast right here on the fan 1060.com the fan am 1060 i am justin carp he's brian Giberman brought in our brand new open today so want to give big ups to the production department here at the fan and at 98 kupd for helping us out with that brian Week two is over. It ended about two and a half hours ago as we bring you this show every Monday night. You can download it Tuesday mornings on the fan1060.com. And we just got done watching the shootout in Dallas as the uh, Dallas Cowboys ended up, ended up taking that one. Brian, this weekend's another wild one. Oh, it was another. And it, it was capped off with that. Philadelphia Dallas game, which was one of the most incredible Monday night football games I've ever watched. We're going to get into that a little bit later in the show. Of course, we have to start off with the Arizona Cardinals, who are 2 0 for the first time since 1991 with that 31 10 win over the Miami Dolphins. I was seven. Seven years old the last time the Arizona Cardinals started a season 2 0. And just for reference, I turned 24. In a few short months. So that, that, that'll show you. And sorry if you're out there listening and that dates you a little bit. Don't mean to do that, obviously, but that's how long it's been. 1991 was the last time the Cardinals start 2-0, and they did it this weekend with the big win against Miami. In today's Big Skin Podcast, we're going to talk Cardinals. In this segment, we're going to get into the two big games of the day, the three big games of the weekend, actually, to be more specific. Broncos Chargers, we'll get into a lot. I know you have a lot to say about Norv Turner and his whining. We'll talk about the Jets and Patriots and Matt Castle's debut, Brett Favre's home debut, and we'll also get into the Monday night matchup. A little bit later on, we're going to talk about the roughing the passer rule and why both of us think that they really need to uh, maybe revise the definition of that rule after a couple of calls this weekend. You know, maybe we'll talk a little about, I don't know, maybe replay booze that malfunction at the exact wrong time. We'll also give you our plays of the week. But of course, let's start with that game at University of Phoenix Stadium, a game in which Anquan Bolden went off three touchdowns. Uh, quite a game for him, 140 yards through the air, and the Cardinals get the win over a team they should have beaten. Yep, and as we said, we talk, I talked about it last week, that if the Cardinals wanted to make the playoffs, they needed to be 2-0 and after these first two games. They are 2-0. and They beat the teams they were supposed to beat, which they haven't done in the past, and this Cardinals team is heading in the right direction. The offense is smooth. They haven't turned the ball over yet. Warner's on point. He's in sync with Fitzgerald. He's in sync with Anquan Bolden. He's spreading the ball around, getting it to everyone. The one thing you'd like to see a little bit at the one thing you'd like to see work a little bit better, the running game still isn't going too strong as James only averaged 3.1 yards per carry and Tim Hightower only 2.4 yards per carry. Well, you touched on something there at the very beginning 
of what you're talking about. The Cardinals beat a team that they were supposed to beat. They've done that in previous years. However, what struck me after yesterday's game is they came out and they stepped on the throat and convincingly beat a team they were supposed to beat. Now, let's go back to the 2006 season. Remember that opening game at the beautiful new University of Phoenix Stadium? And they wanted the Niners in there so badly. And the Niners still had a chance to win the football game on the last play. The Chiefs come in, and they weren't a great team that year, and they lost to the Chiefs. They were not winning the game. First of all, the Chicago Bears The Chicago Bears. I mean, those are games that they lost, obviously, but even the 49ers that season. Teams that they were supposed to beat, but they didn't do it convincingly. You look at the stats from this game. Kurt Warner threw 361 yards. Fitzgerald and Bolden combined for 293 yards, 293 of those through the air. The guys who were supposed to show up for these games against weaker opponents showed up. And that is something that is very, very exciting for this Arizona Cardinals team. It's just not something you're used to. 2-0 and isn't something you're used to, obviously. But that, what we saw on Sunday, was very refreshing. And one thing that Ken Wisenhunt has talked about since the second he walked through the door was finishing games. He, he's talked about that a ton. And they finally did. They finished that game. I'm not counting the garbage time when Chad Henney was in the game and the Dolphins put up those 10 points late. Right. They put that game away. The Dolphins had no chance to win that game. It was the first time in my memory that a Cardinal, okay, well, outside of that Rams game last year, a meaningful game for the Cardinals, that mattered that the Cardinals won and it was pretty much over by the middle of the third quarter, if it, not by halftime. What, at what point in that game, did you think the card? There was no point. I, you know, not at what point. There was no point in that game when I actually legitimately thought the Dolphins had a chance to win. No, when, and it was confirmed to me. It was uh, it was seven to nothing. Larry Fitzgerald jukes out of that tackle and he goes another forty yards after the catch. And I'm sure he caught some flack in the locker room after the game when he got chased down by Will Allen. But that's when I knew this game was going to be an absolute runaway. The running game. Edgerin James, a major milestone. He gets the 15,000 yards. He's only the 14th player in NFL history to do that. He still hasn't looked sharp, though. 55 yards. He's not the Edgerin James of old. The first point I want to make about that 15,000 yards, you notice that Edgerin James isn't the home run hitter that he definitely once was. He never really was that guy that was all, that was one of those guys that could bust one every time. And if you look back and you look at the way his career, his durability, most of the runs in his career, under 20 yards. Kind of kind of Curtis Martin-like. That exactly. wasn't, wasn't exactly. really the big hitter, but was very, very consistent. And it, James, who has been actually very durable since those couple years in Indianapolis where he was hurt, he missed the, well, he missed the whole season. It was either his, I think it was his third year yeah. that he missed it after he had those two huge years yep. to start off his career where he was putting up Marshall Falk-like numbers. He had those injuries, and ever since then, he's kind of just gone along with the, with the flow and never really been that big time back. And that's what kind of surprised me when they drafted Hightower. Everyone kind of thought that they were going to try and take this back that was going to be a big hitter like a Felix Jones type back maybe yeah. a Jamal Charles and what they did with Hightower is it kind of looks like they they drafted who's going to end up being the replacement for Edrian James and of course uh, Anquan Bolden's big performance came only a few days after this we mentioned this last week but there's a guy that they'll be playing against that that wouldn't mind being in a Dolphin uniform <laughs> in Anquan Bolden it's it's a shame that he'll be wearing a Cardinals uniform against the Dolphins instead of the other way around. Courtesy of WQAM in Miami. 
Drew Rosenhaus on the Joe Rose Show on Thursday morning talking about how he'd love to see Anquan Bolden in the Dolphins uniform. It certainly didn't seem to phase Anquan. No, that's Drew Rosenhaus being a moron and just trying to stir. <laughs> He's just trying to stir it up a little bit, draw some attention. If Anquan Bolden wasn't unhappy, he probably still is unhappy, but he's going to play this season, and he realizes the best way for him to get his money is to put up huge numbers, and he had a game that started him in the right direction against the Dolphins. And when I remember that, we should courtesy CBS for the call of the Anquan Bolden first quarter touchdown when he was guarded by a linebacker. What defensive coordinator in the world matches a linebacker on one of the top 10 wide receivers in the National Football League? That guy should be fired immediately for whoever drew that defense up. Yeah, Bill Parcells probably had steam coming out of his head during that play. Real quick before we head to break, the run defense improved a lot this week. Ricky Williams, Reggie Brown, Ronnie Brown each held under three yards of carry. That was a concern we had after Frank Gore ran all over him. End of the show, we'll get back into the Cardinals a little bit. Right now, we got to step aside and take a quick break. When we come back, Broncos, Chargers, Jess Patriots, and everything else that happened in the world of football is the Pigskin Podcast right here on thefan1060.com. Tune in Saturday mornings for Calling All Sports, presented by Casino Arizona on The Voice of the Fan. AM 1060, The Fan. Each year, millions of baseball fans cheer for the home team. It only takes one to ruin it for everybody else by not following the rules. Listen, Major League Ball players know winning means following the rules, and I politely remind them of those rules, calling them like I see them. So now I'm politely reminding you, wear your safety belt and use a sober designated driver. Find out how you can win tickets to the World Series or a trip to the All-Star Game by visiting the designated driver booth at a Major League Ballpark, because responsibility has its rewards. A message from Team Coalition. If you want sports talk that's soft, mellow, and not opinionated... Turn the dial. This is the voice of the fans. AM 1060. AM 1060. The fan. And Cutler rolling out. His pass knocked down. He lost it. It's picked up. The Chargers have it. It was knocked away. Tim Dobbins making plays all day long. The Chargers get the football back. A stunned crowd in Denver with 111 to go. The play should have been ruled a fumble. By rule, the ball was dead when it hits the ground because the whistle was blown. Therefore, it's Denver's ball oh, at the 10-yard no. line, which is the whistle ball blew. Wait a minute, Dobbins stepped right in front, and the ball bounced right to him. That's not acceptable to have a game decided on that play. Our guys fought, obviously, to come back, competed in all phases. It's just disappointing to have that kind of performance spoiled by that call. The song, of course, is Rocky Mountain Way, by the way, by Joe Walsh. The sound from the Chargers Radio Network and from the NFL Network, you heard Norv Turner there doing his little old whiny dance after, well, frankly, he deserved to whine after what was probably the worst call of the weekend and probably one of the worst calls I have seen in a long time. It's the Pigskin Podcast. Justin Carp and Brian Giberman with you here on a Monday night. Hope everybody had a nice football weekend. And this is the only football show in the Valley, Brian. And our listeners will not hear about the ASU-UNLV game. Oh, yeah. Let's stay away from that <laughs> one, please. And I have a huge issue with Norv Turner post game. A huge, huge issue. Take number one, first off, the play 
It was the wrong call. I know that. Nobody's, Everyone, n- nobody's every- going to dispute that that was an atrocious call by Ed Hockley and the replay officials who were advising him and the team of official, the team of officials that were around him. That was a miserable call. You could see that it was a fumble and that it slipped out of his hands, or slipped out of his hand, I should say, even before the arm was coming forward. And you can see that from the high camera. You could probably see that from the blimp camera. But Norv Turner, you leave that, the whining and the crying to the officials, about the officials, to the fans. That's what the fans are there to do. You're the head coach of your football team. That one call is not the reason the Chargers lost that game. Norv Turner, make sure your team know that there is a first half. You gave up 31 (laughs) points in the first half. You allowed 486 total yards. Jay Cutler threw for 341 yards and four passing TDs. How about attempting to stop them from moving the ball? Selvin Young ran for eight, had eight carries for 76 yards. That's over eight yards a carry. Brandon Marshall had 18 catches, the second most all time. Take responsibility for your team. Set an example for your team by not making excuses and take the blame. The Chargers are the reason you lost that game, not the refs. It should have never gotten to that point. By the way, I was at that game when Terrell Owens caught 20 passes. Really? That was, really? That was Jerry, Jerry Rice's last game. Exactly. Well, I wasn't going to miss Jerry Rice's last game growing up a 49ers fan back in the Bay Area. I was never going to miss that. And you got to see Terrell Owens with a magnificent day. But anything. Anyway, back to the topic at hand. Yeah. What even sticks out in my mind is not only are you whining about the call and you gave up all those yards and you were down by so much of the half and you turn the ball over and your defense made so many boneheaded mistakes, guess what? Mike Shanahan still handed you the chance to win and they even pretty much called the same route for Eddie Royal on the two-point conversion and you still couldn't shut it down the second time around and they win the game 39-38. If you're the head coach of that team, you're not the Raiders. You're not laying blame on everybody else and, and calling out members of your own staff and and all sorts of junk like that. You're the San Diego Chargers. You're an organization that is actually pretty respected, and you're a coach that maybe hasn't the, had the most on-field success, but you're still pretty respected that you were able to get a head coaching job. For the second time. For the second time. Somebody gave you a second chance, and you're going to go out and you're going to pull that kind of crap that is unacceptable. That's The call was unacceptable. Norv Turner's reaction was even more unacceptable. That that was not the way to go about it. As I said before, you, just, you take responsibility. You said, we played badly. We need to make improvements next week to go out on Monday Night Football and beat the New York Jets. The loss is on us. The coaches, we made bad play calls. The players didn't make the plays. Antonio Cromartie, Antoine Quezon couldn't do anything take responsibility for your team so now what you've done what he's he's opened up a can of worms is that now every time something goes wrong for that team there's gonna an excuse is gonna come oh it was the refs well oh my shoe my shoe was untied i mean who knows what the heck they're gonna say (laughs) we'll all sit back and wait for the for the excuse that's what it is because the the the, i'm sorry not the cardinals when i talk about a team going six and ten i immediately think of the arizona cardinals the chargers look like a team if they play that way for the rest of the season that legitimately could lose nine or ten games and i'll tell you next week's excuse oh sean merriman isn't there well you know what when marty schottenheimer was the coach and sean merriman wasn't there they went four and oh and what are you gonna do are you packers fans every time aaron Rodgers screws up are you gonna say well brett Favre would have made that completion or brett Favre would have seen that receiver if you're the Chargers, somebody makes a bad play on defense well sean merriman would have made that tackle you can't write off the season because of injuries i'm sorry it's a cop-out and let's just say before we move on mike shannon has a large you know large pair you know what 
That's the truth. Only two coaches I can think of would make that kind of call. Mike Shanahan, and I know it's happened before, but those were kind of the other ones that we saw that I saw on a sports center earlier today were kind of fly by night two point conversion calls. The only coaches that I know would make that kind of call without even thinking about it, Mike Shanahan and Tom Osborne. Now, I was about to say, didn't he did that against Miami? Yeah, in but, the that, one, Bowl, but right? that one failed. Yeah, and so. they lost, and they lost the national championship mm-hmm. because of that. All right, next game we're gonna hit on Jets Pats. Jets can still not beat the Patriots. And this game right here shows you why Bill Belichick is the best coach of all time. That offense is just a machine. No Tom Brady, no Lawrence Maroney for the better part of that game. Yet the offense is so graspable by every player on that team. And we said it last uh, last week on the show that without even Tom Brady, the Patriots still have the most talent on paper in the National Football League. So when you put it all together and you've got Sammy Morris and Lamont Jordan out there instead of a Lawrence Maroney, or you've got a Matt Castle out there instead of a Tom Brady, which is really trying to put a square peg into a round hole when comparing those quarterbacks. You're never going to do it. But he was still able to manage the game because he was surrounded by so many guys that had spent so much time in that system. And the Patriots were able to pull out a victory. A victory, frankly, that I think they were, that I thought they weren't going to get. But they did. Not your typical New England Patriots win, but a, a win nonetheless. And that's how it's going to go down. And that's what Bill Belichick does that is so impressive. He adjusts to his personnel better than any other coach in the league. What this this team isn't going to be the team from last year. They're, they're going to give up less points, but they're going to score less, but they're still going to win games. This team's going to be a lot more similar to that Patriots team in 2001 when Brady got the start after the situation we talked about last week with Bledsoe. In that season, Brady started 14 games. He only threw 18 touchdown passes, 2,800 yards, and completed 64 percent of his passes. I expect very similar stats from Matt Castle. We're going to continue to see lots of screen passes to the running backs, lots of quick hits to Wes Welker. And the one thing that I worry about with this team is is Randy Moss, even if they're winning, how long will he be happy not being the vocal point of the offense? Because Randy Moss isn't a guy you're going to throw screen passes to. Randy Moss is a guy you use to stretch the field. Will he be happy even if they're winning? If they're winning, but not being a vocal point of the offense. I guess it's kind of a question of has Bill Belichick beaten that philosophy into Randy Moss? And it seems like he has. He's saying all the right things so far. But I guess we'll have to see over a full season. Finally, before we go to break, we got to talk about what happened tonight. One of the best football games I've watched in a long time on national TV on Monday Night Football. The Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles put on a show, that's for sure. But the one thing I want to talk about, other than Terrell Owens, other than Felix Jones running that kickback, Deshaun Jackson. Even at Cal, we knew he was pretty cocky. He liked to talk a lot about how good he was. And then he makes the single most boneheaded play of dropping the ball on the half-yard line, I, I know they scored right after it, but how can you do that? How can you not be aware of where you are in the field, just drop the ball, it's a fumble, and it's just sitting there, and Deshaun Jackson looked like a complete idiot at that moment. Yet the last time I remember that happening was in a BCS game, Oregon State versus Notre Dame. Chad yes, Johnson did it, that. but they didn't, call the, they didn't have replay, and Chad Johnson got away with it, and it was still a touchdown, and Notre Dame ended up getting smoked by Oregon State in that game. Well, even the announcers right off the bat pretty much pulled it, uh, pulled it off, my, or, or noticed it at least, Mike Tariq. Rico, 
uh, immediately said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't think he even crossed the plane of the goal line. That is not something you want to do. I've been very impressed with Deshaun Jackson so far. First NFL receiver in his first two games of his career to go over 100 yards receiving. But if you're going to pull that kind of stuff when you're on a National Football League field, you're not going to last very long in this league. Yep, and these two teams play again in the last game of the season, and don't be surprised if they meet again in the playoffs. With LT kind of struggling a little bit this year, Brian Westbrook and Marion Barber are both top five backs. you got two top five QBs in Donovan McNabb and Tony Romo. McNabb's really made a comeback this year and looks like his younger self, and these are two real quality football teams. Great game. Justin Carp, Brian Gibberman, when we come back, Plays of the Week. What was that, Gibberman? Gibberman? There That's you your go. Name. <laughs> plays of the Week up next. It's the Pigskin Podcast. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. There's a guy who seems to be realistic. Every day from noon to three, only on the voice of the fans, AM 1060, The Fan. Amanda, age three. Tyler, age eight. Marissa, Age four and a half. We could tell you just how many child abductions last year led to Amber Alerts, but this isn't about cold statistics. It's about saving kids. Shaniqua, age 14. To get free Amber Alerts on your cell phone, go to wirelessamberalerts.org. When an alert is issued in your area, you'll receive it as a free text message. Wirelessamberalerts.org. A child is calling for help. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Want more quarterback, less armchair? Talk football with former NFL football QB Dan Minucci. Weekdays 3 to 6 on the voice of the fans. The Fan, AM 1060. Now that I know how to say my partner's name, we're back here on the Pigskin Podcast. Justin Carp and... Go ahead, say your own name. Brian Gibberman. The All right, fa- you got fan- that for next one? You got that for next time. <laughs> 1060com You're listening to the Pigskin Podcast. we got a lot to get to in this segment, so let's get it started right now, and we can start with something that you came in and definitely wanted to talk about tonight was something you noticed in the Jets-Patriots game. They've made a lot of rule changes, obviously. The face mask is 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 the number one rule that I think of that they changed going into this year. They do away with the five-yard face like mask. I'm fine with it. I'm okay with it. I I I don't I didn't see what the issue was. Why did you have to get rid of the it's five kinda, yarder? It's kind of like in it hot, if there was an incident, if there's one where well, he grabbed it and he, didn't really have a big effect, but there should still be a penalty. My thoughts on that is if and I'm a big uh, hockey fan as well, and in, in the NHL, if you're high sticking, whether it's incidental or incidental or on purpose, you're always responsible for where your stick is. It doesn't matter if it was an accident. I feel like you should be aware of where your hands are when you're tackling and when. You're blocking, and if your hands are that high on accident or anything, that's a penalty. I'm all for them making the games easier for the referee. I think the best rule change they made was the the catch on the sideline rule where yeah. you have to have the two feet in. Right. And we saw that have a big play in the uh, Cardinals-Browns game last year. It, was, it had a big play in the Jets-Browns game two years ago with uh, Chris Baker. So yeah. that, that was a rule that I liked. It made less human decision and it's just a fact did he's two feet land to catch if his two feet didn't land not a catch right. i think and that's one of the last differences between the the pro game and the college game is that there's never been a force out in the college game or as far as i back as i can remember you got to get that foot in or else you're not in bounds and it is not a catch so i'm in favor of that but roughing the passer is such a loosely called foul 
Uh, roughing the kicker and running into the kicker is one thing, but roughing the passer, we see it just arbitrarily called, and you saw it in a game this weekend, and you've got some problems with it. Yeah, no, and it's been like this for the past couple years. I think they protect the QB a little too much. He's a football player. He's out on the football field. He should be treated like a football player. It's one thing a guy goes and leads with his helmet, goes helmet to helmet, flag him. But to not, like, they call it when they land on him. When they're, what, are, what is a guy supposed to do, pull up and not hit him? I understand if it's five seconds late. These guys are running yeah. These guys are running 4-4. Four, four. It's kind of hard to stop. <laughs> That's the point that I wanted to make is what are you supposed to do? They, they keep calling it recently on these incidental plays in which he's letting go of the ball and a split second later he's getting hit. But since the ball is out of the quarterback's hands, it's a penalty for a late hit roughing the passer. That's where I have a problem with it is that there's no leeway and there's no, I don't want to say grace period, but there's no buffer. If the ball is not in his hands, it's a roughing the passer penalty, it seems like, more recently. And exactly, what are you supposed to do when you're bearing down on that quarterback and your only thought is to tackle the passer and get that sack? Yeah, I, I, obviously I understand. If it's five seconds after the fact and, and a lineman or a linebacker comes in and just clocks a quarterback, that's a penalty. That's a 15-yard roughing the passer. But if it's incidental with the ball leaving his hands and you're going to call it, I think that's pretty ticky-tack. Especially when it's a 15-yard penalty and can really change the outcome of games. It's a rule. It's a bad—it's it's enforced arbitrarily, and that's really all— that we need to get into on that. Brian, I think it's time for our plays of the week. What do you think? Oh, yeah, let's get them rolling. All right, number three, play of the week, Brian. Adam Vinatieri, game-winning field goal. Waiting for the snap. It's there. It's down. Adam's kick is on the way. It looks good. It looks good. It is! The Colts are in! Three seconds to go. The Colts lead 18-15. Adam Vinatieri with a 47-yarder. Boy, does that make up for the miss. Super kicker at it again. The Colts radio network. Finally, something for Colts. Those Colts broadcasters. I listened to their game against the Bears, and I listened on their Colts radio network, and they were so, so upset. Good to hear them happy again. The Vikings absolutely blew that game, by the way. By five field goals, they were not able to punch it in. They got a tremendous game out of Adrian Peterson, 160 yards on the ground, another 20 or so through the air. But they weren't able to get him into the end zone, and that was the difference as the Colts get an 18-15 win. And even though the Colts won that game, I am not happy if I'm a Colts fan. The offense isn't clicking. No, not at all. A man, Manning, just he needs to get into a rhythm right now. He missed the whole preseason. I know he doesn't usually play a lot, but he missed a lot of the off-season stuff that he usually does. He probably wasn't out on the field all off-season running, having Wayne and Clark and Harrison run routes for him and him hitting them. And that offense just looks like it's not clicking, and they need to get clicking quick because that AFC is tough, and it's going to take 10-11 wins to get into the playoffs. Play number two, Felix Jones had a nice little night tonight for the Dallas Cowboys when he runs back a kick 98 yards for a touchdown. But his college teammate also had his coming-out party, too. Fadden is in, third down and four. Oh, another big run. Wow. Look at this. One-on-one with Page. He'll dive, and it is a touchdown. The first for Darren McFadden in his young NFL career, a 19-yard run. CBS on the call, and it is Darren McFadden. He had a 
bunch of just tremendous runs on the Chiefs' defense, and the Raiders get a win, but it might not be enough to save Lane Kiffin's job. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Kiffin sticks around another week. Rumors are Rob Ryan's ready to take over him and Al Davis. Buddy, buddy, that rant that Rob Ryan had was great. It it wasn't this week, but the week before. That was one of the funnier ones. one of the most epic rants I've ever seen. It was great. Where he rips off his head, it's giving me gray hair. You're giving me gray hair. The Raiders give me gray hair. Pick a coach. I'm sick of the Raiders. Yeah, Al Davis just needs to let that team go. It's time. His time has passed. Move on, Al Davis. Get, Get over it. Number one play of the week in a game that really got overlooked with all the hoopla around the Jets and Patriots, around some of the other games, around this Monday nighter. A lot of people forgot about the Redskins and the Saints, and that turned out to be one of the best games of the day. Two seconds of the play clock. Gets the snap. A lot of heat up the middle. Avoids the first man. Going deep down the middle for Santana Moss. Makes the catch. Touchdown. Touchdown, Redskins. Campbell to Santana Moss. 67 yards. I've never seen anything like it. That was fantastic. Skins Radio Network on the call. And this, this was the most surprising game of the week for me. After how bad the Redskins looked against the Giants week one in that opening game on Thursday night, I thought the Redskins were going to be awful this year. And then Jason Campbell comes back, throws for over 300 yards, has a TD, and they find a way to pull out a close win against a decent Saints team. And the Redskins, congratulations to Jim Zorn on winning his first NFL game. What about the Saints, though? This is a team that everybody was so disappointed in and people thought was going to just hop right back up and get on the bandwagon. But those are games that you have to close out when you get a big punt return from Reggie Bush. When you get a big game, you get Robert Meacham into the lineup, your first-round pick from 2007, and he gets his first touchdown catch. Those are games that if you want to get to the playoffs, you have to win, and the Saints absolutely blew it. Well, the Saints, that's a team that's still jowling a a little bit. They're trying to figure out how to get Shockey involved to the offense. They're adjusting to playing without Marcus Colston. They got to get Vilma involved in the defense. He had was it the interception. Was that on a two point conversion attempt that he had? I think he had an interception on a two point conversion attempt. So the Saints is a team that could still take a little bit to gel. The Redskins were a playoff team last year. Yeah, they we were. all thought we all thought they were going to be better coming into this year, and then they just had that awful week one, and I think everyone lowered their expectations, and Jim Zorn did a great job of getting them ready and having them rebound, and they really improved from week one to week two. Well, if your team's 0-2, if your team's 2-0, you know what? It's only week two. Brian Westbrook and Donovan McNabb both said it. Now they got to back it up. It was only week two. Still plenty of more football to play. Still plenty of time for teams to recover and keep getting better. Yep, Cards, Redskins next week. Cards go on a two-game East Coast trip. They will not be returning to Arizona. In between, they will be staying out in Washington, then heading to New York to play the New York Jets. Brian, always a pleasure to work with you. It has been the Pigskin Podcast here on the Fan 1060com and the Fan AM 1060. If you want to get in touch with us, Justin at the Fan 1060com Brian at CallingAllSportsAZ.com. We'll read the best email of the week on next week's Pigskin Podcast. Don't forget to check out the website, Fan1060.com, RockMinuch.com. We'll talk to you after week three.